Thank you, thank you. Whew. You just want to just go home now or? I don't know what you need to hear from me for. I think today's message is a message that uh, the enemy doesn't want you to hear, but is absolutely necessary if we're going to function well as the body of Christ. There's things in the Bible that I think that when we hear them, they cause us to stir a little bit and they make us uncomfortable. This is why I like the book of James. We've talked about this numerous times. If you have just been joining us over the last several weeks, we're doing a study in James with the intention not to study the book of James in five Sundays. That would be ridiculous. But to study the book of James over five weeks where you are reading and that you are pouring into this book and understanding how it works together with the whole of Scripture. My hope is that you've been reading on your own, that you've been asking questions, that you are assessing as we look into this spiritual mirror how you're doing and where God wants you to make some adjustments. That's what we're hoping is happening. I won't make you raise your hand. Some of you are wondering if I'm really gonna do that or not. Is he really gonna ask? No, I'll leave that between you and the Lord. I hope that you're doing it because if we're gonna be spiritually mature men and women who are followers of Jesus, we have to be in the word. We have to be in the word and doing the word, as it says, if we're gonna learn how to love God and love others, which is the purpose of our faith in Jesus. Today's message isn't any easier than last week's message, I'm not gonna lie. Spoiler alert, none of these are easy. Because they all require action, right? They all require us to do something with the information. This is not me just transferring information to you. It says this, it says that. That's not what the Bible is about. It is that we read it and that we do what it says and that transforms us as we walk in obedience. Today's message is no different. I used to drive uh, down 290 a lot. Anybody else, 290 Warriors? Yeah, here we go. Come on, you know who you are. <clears throat> 290's for the real Warriors. I-10's all wide and stuff. I drove 290 when it was under construction. Mm-hmm. People start amening now, I know. <laughs> Amen, brother, preach on, come on. And here's the thing, there's a big lotto sign on the, on the freeway. And here's what happens every time I pass a lottery sign. You know me, I'm an oversharer, so I'm just gonna tell you how I feel when I see it. I'm like, Lord, I could do some real good stuff with that money. <laughs> Lord, I want that. <laughs> Especially when it gets into triple digits on the both sides of the sign. See, because you know there's two sides. It's the Powerball and the Mega Millions. So when I see that, I'm like, Lord, I want that because I could do some real good with that money. I haven't won yet. Here's why I think that God will never, ever let me win the lottery. Because I'm a selfish, self-centered jerk. And I would use it for good, maybe. Now, maybe that's too honest and nobody else wants to admit that. But here's the deal. I know in and of myself, I guarantee I'd be driving a Toyota Tundra four-wheel. That would be the whole deal. That would be up. That would happen. <laughs> Look, don't act like you haven't had this conversation with your friends. Oh, what would you do if you won a lottery? And what does everybody say? I would start a foundation. <laughs> <I> have... 
No, you, you might. You might start a foundation. I'll give you that. No, right? But there's this idea that we want things. There are things that we want, are there not? If I ask you, what do you want today? That list, you could, you could click that off real quick. The things that we want are very clear, right? I want my kids to listen the first time. <laughs> I told you this isn't going to be fun. I want my wife to listen and be nice. I want my husband to get off his butt and do the yard. I want my boss to get off my back, right? I want Johnny to stop preaching these messages. I want, I want, I want. And we have these wants, we have these things, right? I want the world to be at peace, amen? I want Christians to start acting like it. I want leadership to do their job. That's what y'all are saying. I figured I'd give them way more amens out of that, right? I want, I want them to do this. I want them to do that. And we have these wants. Now, the reason I haven't won the lottery is the same reason sometimes that my other wants aren't fulfilled. It's because it's not always what I need. See, there's a big difference between want and need. My, my mother-in-law used to tell her kids when they said, I want something, she, she would say, spit in one hand, and put want in the other and see which one fills up fastest. That's funny right there. And all the kids, when you hear that, you're like, I don't get it. What does that mean? And because I don't need $14 trillion, I haven't won the lottery. Because if I needed it, you know what? Maybe God would do it. See, we don't always get what we want but we have what we need. And this is the fundamental problem in our interpersonal relationships, the relationship that we have within ourselves and the relationship with God. See, we have what we need, but it doesn't always translate to what we want. And we wrestle through this, right? Maybe it's power, right? Oh, I wanna be up there. No, you don't. I'm just, I'm telling you, that's not a joke. This is like, you actually don't wanna be up here. I want that position, I want that title. I want that money, I think that paycheck would be real nice, right? I want what they have, because if I just had what they have, that's what I'll, then I'll be okay. If I just got that one raise, then I'll have enough. If I moved over there, I'd be happy. Right, and we have these wants that we try to fulfill in one another, right? If I just had that one girl, if I just had that one boy. Oh, teenagers, listen. What you want isn't always what you need. How many times have you gone to your parents? I'm gonna teach to the, to the younger folks in the room and the kids too. Oh, daddy, I want this. Mommy, I want this. I need it. Hmm? I need, <laughs> I need this. And they give, it's very convincing, right? We do this. We, and we do this with God too. We go make, God, I need this. God, if you just gave me this, me and you, I promise we'll be good. And then we try to convince one another that if they'll just fulfill our wants, then we'll be okay. Because whatever you want me to do for you and whatever I want you to do for me is gonna leave you unfulfilled. 
Do you hear that? Listen, whatever you want me to do for you and whatever I want you to do for me won't necessarily leave you fulfilled. In fact, a lot of times, if you're older and, the, and my more experienced friends in the room can attest to this, when you got that thing or you got that person or you got that promotion, did it give you everything you wanted or was there something you said, what's next? What's next? And I wanna ask you, just to take an assessment real quick before we dive into the scriptures. Are you content if nothing ever changed in your life from right now, your paycheck, your position, your title, or anything else in the whole, if nothing changed from this moment, do you think that you could be content until you die? I'm gonna, I'll start off. I'll start off. My answer, unfortunately, is no. I know that I'm supposed to say yes. I wanna say yes. I want that to be the answer. Let's see what James has to say today. We'll start off with a really easy question. And I want you to know, we talked how James, he pulled a lot of his wisdom and a lot of his um, things from his half-brother Jesus. Maybe you know him. Come on, you're with me. I like it's nine o'clock, 9.30. We're doing good today. The Sermon on the Mount was a big draw for James. The book of Proverbs today, you can find almost an identical passage from James 4. You can see it in Matthew 6, 19 to 34. Okay, Matthew 19, uh, 6, 19 to 34. Don't turn there, we're not doing that one yet. We're gonna do James chapter four. Here's what he says. Easy question to start things off, okay? Something nice and light. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Answer the question just yourself. What causes fights? You kids, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights with people at school? What causes fights with your brothers and sisters in your house? What causes fights between you and your parents? Men, what causes fights between you and other guys? What causes fights with the pastor? What causes fights with your wife, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your employees, the guy on the soccer field, football field, tennis court, or wherever else you find yourself? What causes fights among you, ladies? Y'all never fight, so this is probably not related to you, but I'm gonna say it anyway. What causes fights? That girl wore my shirt. How dare she? Did she not know? That's petty, that's dumb, that never happens. Listen, no, no, what causes fights? Leaders, those of you in authority and power, what causes fights? between you and those who serve under you or work for you? I hate this question. <laughs> Look around in the world. What causes fights between white people and black people and Asian people and anybody other people? What causes fights? And I'm not trying to stir the pot, I'm just asking the question because there's a lot of fighting going on. What causes fights between people who sit on this side of the aisle and people who sit on this side of the aisle? What causes fights between my church and their church? Or your church and our church? What causes fights? It's a valid question. 
And I suppose that he understood, as we do, that there's something wrong. We find ourselves at war with people, right? And there's three things, there's three wars that we see in this particular passage. We're going to take the first, uh, excuse me, the first 12 verses today, okay? I'll ask you to read the other couple verses on your own. We are at war with one another. We are at war with ourselves. And we are at war with God. We are at war with one another. We are at war within ourselves. And we are at war with God. Now, we would love to say, wouldn't we, that it's everybody else's fault. But let's see what it says. So he answers the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So there's something to be said for something inside us that is a cause for concern in our quarrels with others. Right? Last week we talked about how out of the overflow of what? Out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So there was a heart issue in how we speak to one another and the words that we use and how we break down or build others up, right? So there's a heart issue there. And he goes on. Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. <clears throat> this, I feel like James is digging in there, isn't he? And let me ask you guys a right and easy question. What causes these fights among you? Oh, well, it's their fault. Well, they said this, and oh, well, they do that. And don't you know that, that this group said this about this group? And, it's, uh, and this woman that you put here, she did this thing. and Oh, no, it was the serpent's fault. This is how we talk. And we're like, oh, Adam and Eve are so dumb. And then we look at ourselves and look at the world that we have here and the, the type of stewards that we are over this earth. And we have to say, maybe we're dumb too. And I'm not trying to insult anybody. Please don't hear that. I'm not trying to be harsh or direct. I'm just trying to be honest. Because a culture of blame, where we can't acknowledge our own things, creates the problem that we have right now. He says, look, start with just you. Don't they come from the desires that you have within you? You want something, but you don't get it. I wanted that donut. I mean, start small when we're real young. Give it to me. That's mine. Have you seen two kids playing? None of your kids, but maybe friends' kids that you talk about when they're not there. They're down here and they're like, you can see it happen. Like there's one toy and two kids and you're like, three, two, one. Give it to me. And they, they freak out, right? We all did this when we were little. No, I know that's your wife, but I want her. It changes when we get to be adults. There's a lot of damage that happens, right? No, I want that seat. See, we want things, but we don't get it then there's this thing deep down inside of us, it says. There's a heart problem. Let's see what he keeps saying. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives that you may spend what you have on your own pleasures. We've seen this throughout scripture. You can look at how Lot and Abraham fought. You can look how Absalom fought with his dad, David. You can, 
The disciples, they kind of covered up with spirituality. Oh Lord, we'd like to sit at your right and your left in the kingdom of heaven, but they really want a position now. Right, so there's all these things in the scriptures that we see, both Old and New Testament, with people who wanted something because they had this sinful, selfish desire within them. And it caused war with other people. Look at the nations. They fight over land. People have been at war since the beginning, you guys. This is not a new concept. This is not just for our time, but we have history to look at. And we have scripture to show us, hey, maybe we can do it different. He says, you adulterous people. That's just, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know how this hits you. I don't like to be called an adulterer, by the way. Especially when it's true. He says, you adulterous people. He said, don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? If you have your, you want to flip over real quick. I'm going to do this quickly. Matthew chapter six, let's see how it sounds. This is the words of Jesus now, not James. This is Jesus speaking Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is 6 and 19 and on. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There it is again, there's this heart thing going on. Something deep down, right, that affects our words, how we speak to one another, it affects the things that we find valuable, the treasure in our life, it, it reveals that too. And he goes on and says, he says, but the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be good and full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's what he says, no one can serve two masters, Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and position. You cannot serve both God and lust. You cannot serve both God and fill in the blank. He says you adulterous people because at the beginning he says I am one God, the Lord God, the living God, the only true living God and you shall have no idols. There will be no competing for the top chair in his kingdom. There is only one at the top, and it is God, the creator of the universe, the one who, in fact, breathed life into us, the one who gives us purpose and hope and mercy and direction and provision, right? This is the God. He says, no one competes with me. He said, so because you are allowing all these other things to compete, you're adulterous. That's very strong language. Think about it like this. Do you think, don't answer this out loud, and she's not in the room so I can say this. I hope she's not in the room. I'll say it next hour too, but. If I came to my wife and I said, hey, babe, I love you a lot. I mean like a lot, like you're my number one-ish but I really love this other woman too. Yeah, y'all know I would not be standing here because you would have all attended my funeral because I would be dead. 
and rightly so, right? All of you would not be like, oh yeah, Johnny, that sounds great. Why not have your number one wife and maybe somebody else that you elevate to? Like that sounds super ludicrous, but this is how we operate. And this is what James is saying. He said, you adulterous people, you think that you can love and worship God as the only true and living God and also be about all these other things that are selfish and for your own want and good that you think is the best. And I know that it's strong language, but do you understand that the holiness of God and the glory of God is his chief aim and he will not compete with anybody else? Your God loves you too much to let you think that you can love him and love the world at the same time and be okay. Because he knows that loving the world means death and eternal separation from him. Do you understand this? This is not some trite like, oh, Johnny, relax. It's not that big a deal. No, you're talking about life and death. Life with him and death apart from him. It's why he says there's one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him because there's not any other way. And we live in a world where you do you and as long as it makes you feel good, rules the world. Teenagers, this is the dumbest Dumbest earthly wisdom you'll hear. You do you and just whatever feels good is not how you have a relationship with God. Complete, utter, total surrender to the will of God only is how you walk in obedience with him. And it's not easy, is it? But this is why James talks about it. We could go through all the other ways. At the end of the day, the war that is with one another comes from something deep within us. As we see all throughout scripture and all throughout history and in our modern day world as well. And the war that is within us is a big deal, right? Gosh, and I hate it because we cover up We cover up our own selfish, sinful desires, right, with this ugly spirituality. Or even even we'll use prayer, too. Oh, I prayed about it. Well, you very well might have prayed about it. But telling God and expecting him to obey your request doesn't mean that your prayer is correct. It doesn't mean that your prayer is correct. And he goes on. Let's keep going. Because it talks about this war with God as well. So much here. This is why we can't do it in five Sundays, y'all. This is why you need to work on your own. There's so much in here. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This does not mean that you shouldn't be friends with unbelievers. Hear me. This does not mean that you should not have friendships with those in the world, but that you should not be ruled by the things of the world. There's a difference. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? Praise God. This is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You can look in Proverbs 3.34 about pride. 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to hold on to that word humility for a second. Submit yourselves then to God, right? If these are the things that cause war and quarrels and fights, right, with one another, within us and with God, how do we stop doing that? How do we adjust our life? He tells us straightforward as he brought up the situation. He says, submit yourselves to God first, right? Submit yourself to God, which takes humility. Do you remember when you came to Christ? That whole confessing your sin and acknowledging your wrong thing? And then some, for some reason we start there, but then we forget all about it when we interact with one another. Why do we do this? Why do I do this? Humility, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here's what the devil doesn't want you to hear. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. All he wants to do is divide us, conquer us, and kill us. Seems to be working. But we don't submit to him. We submit to God. We submit to the heavenly father, the one who has all the power, all the authority, who has the final say, who has the, the place that we wanna be. We submit ourselves to him and him alone. And as we do that, we can submit to one another in humility and love one another, build one another up with our words, care for one another, be considerate of one another above our own needs. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Do not hear this coming from me to you, but from God to us. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves. You can write this down if you're writing things down. If God isn't enough in your wants, you will never have enough to meet your needs. If God isn't enough in your wants, you will never have enough in your needs because you will be trying to accomplish what you think that you need, right? Because you are not finding in God everything that you want and need. He wants to be everything. He wants to be your provision. I want this. Okay, where do you take it? Telling God and expecting him to listen is, is not how our faith works. He says that you will have everything that you need in him. Did you hear that? Everything that you need in him. In fact, Philippians 4, we just read it, part of it up here this morning during worship. He says, listen, rejoice in the Lord because he is near. And if you're anxious about anything, you require anything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present what? Your request to your friends. Present your request to yourself, to your boss, to your wife, to your husband, your kids, your friend. No, it says present your request to God. And then what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, think about all these pure, lovely, what, exactly what Aubrey read. And then Paul says something that's amazing. He says, this is the other word. You've been thinking about humility? He says, I have learned 
what it is to be content in all circumstances. Whether I've been super rich or super poor or anywhere in between, I have learned to be okay with what I have right now in that moment. And that if this is all I have forever, that's good enough for me. Because then the famous scripture that everybody quotes but doesn't know where it comes from, through Christ, right, I can do all things. That has to do with contentment. So let's ask another question, then we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. Here's the other important, if he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you, and we just answered that, right? The things inside us that are broken, our heart issues. Let's ask another question, you ready? What causes unity and peace among us? I'm only gonna give you two things. Two things. If we only worked on these two things, I bet that the world would look different. I bet that what's written about our generation would be different. Humility. Humility. Living with a distinct understanding that what we have, we don't deserve. When I look at Garrett, I know that I don't deserve mercy, grace, forgiveness, or anything else on this earth, so in humility, I can offer those things to him. Does that make sense? If I have more than someone and they need some of it because I know that I don't deserve it and I deserve death and separation from God and that what was given to me was given to me as a steward, not because I deserve it, I would be glad to be generous in humility, offering other things to other people. So humility is number one. And then contentment. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this. It's just a couple pages to the right. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us his very good and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. In him, we have everything. So if you have him, if you have Jesus, if you're in relationship with God, you actually don't need anything else. Contentment comes by being certain and confident. So if you seem to need more and more, you need to check how certain and confident your faith in him is. Because somewhere deep down, you may be trying to trust in yourself because you don't trust that he's gonna give you what you need. So you try and want and grab and get it from anywhere else, including other people. Humility and contentment. God is enough for you, hear me. God is enough for you. Not the idea, but the person. He is enough for you. He has to be. Do you remember that time that you were not alive? And now you're sitting here and you have a 401k and you have friends and a house and a car. You remember how he, that just materialized into thing? No, you don't because he breathed life into you. When you weren't even thought of, he knew you. And he found it a way to get you where you are. Humility and contentment. I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna pray. I wish we could go, we could talk about this literally all day long. 
First Peter chapter five. You don't have to turn. I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. This doesn't. This doesn't. Uh, this is not a cumulative to every single person. It addresses two groups, but I want you to hear it as it's spoken to you. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's people that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to, not eager for money, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you put on clothes with humility. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Interesting, two times. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And let's stick it to the enemy. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him. Resist pride. Resist ego and arrogance and the need to be at the top. Resist the need to elevate yourselves by putting somebody else under you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that has to start by submitting yourselves to God. If he isn't enough in your wants, you will never have enough. You will never, ever have enough. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would make the things stick that are supposed to stick and anything that is not from you would fall away. God, I do ask in Jesus' name that you forgive us for when we have fought and quarreled and killed and coveted because we didn't get what we wanted in our marriages and with our kids and in society, with our friends, with our enemies. Oh God, forgive us. And Lord, where our hearts are selfish and prideful, God, would you clean them out? Would you... Help us remember that you will not allow competition in our hearts for anybody else. We, as your followers, only have room for you. Be glorified today, God. Change us. We know we can't do it on our own. We need you to help us look more like Christ. We're gonna end our service like we always do, which is with prayer. And if you need to be prayed for, There'll be some of my friends who are coming up now. If you need somebody to pray with you or for you, this is a great time to do that. If you need somebody to lift you up. Also, if this is a time you say, I don't even know where to start with God, this would be a great opportunity for you to come know Jesus. As we sing this last couple songs, I'd pray that you would take the opportunity to pray together. Let's stand to our feet and worship as we pray.